Hey everyone, welcome to JoJo's World. Hey, what what up? What's new, Nick? Everything is new. <laughs> what the hell? Today we watched the first episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3, Stardust Crusaders. I'm confused on many levels. This covers chapters 114 through chapters 117 of the manga. I don't know what to think. Entitled, The Man Possessed by an Evil Spirit. I'm scared. I'm excited. So there's a lot to take in, and unfortunately there wasn't as much sort of explanation in this episode as I remembered. There was a stand, and and then another thing that was an evil spirit that was apparently also a stand. We were talking about this during the episode, but I would have loved, because they used the phrase evil spirit to describe uh, Jotaro's sort of proto-stand so many times in this episode. I would have loved if that just wasn't what stands were. It was just like, oh, I never mentioned that evil spirits become a big thing now. (laughs) On top of stands, whatever they are. It's like stands and evil spirits are closely interlinked, but Mm. they're not the same. (laughs) That would have been good. So... Before we start talking about the episode, I just want to sort of cite my sources because these first few episodes are going to have me doing like a lot of little research breaks. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Oh boy. So my recurring sources are sort of first-hand things like uh, Jojonium notes mm-hmm. uh, and other interviews um, with Araki that have been put on the Jojo Wiki. I'm also referring to um, Wikipedia, LearnTarot.com. <laughs> And uh, Something Awful Forums poster Captain Baal has some really nifty little write-ups about various characters and things about them on the first page of the Stardust Crusaders anime thread when that first came out. Mm. Uh, Though I think to read that you need um, a Something Awful account and the archives upgrade. But uh, you can check out his YouTube channel where he's got some some cool stuff like sort of deliberately low effort slash hilarious um, one take recaps of parts one and two sent to video. Oh, wait, is that the yeah, one I that think you showed me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For they're, part they're good. One. Check out his YouTube channel, Sex Ferguson. Sex Ferguson. Yep. Just repeating that for everyone. And he's also Sex doing Ferguson. a Let's Play of um, the old part three fighting game, too. Ah, there you go. So plug that and also cite my sources. I'm just going to go off my referencing sources as Beyblades at this point in time. Yeah, that's not unfair to say, (laughs) given what you've seen. Literally, as soon as I noticed everyone had spirits, I was like, it's Persona and Beyblades. So yeah, Persona was, I believe, highly influenced by the concept of stands. Yeah, it seems so. Because Personas and stands seem quite similar. (laughs) I haven't really played the Persona series at all, but I understand they, they are quite similar. Yeah, it's basically like, oh, you have a Persona. I believe also part four of JoJo's is considered to be particularly strongly influenced, a particular strong influence on Persona 4. That would make sense. Because it's a high school drama, as you keep saying, or something. And Persona is a high school drama. Yeah. Oh man, is it a high school drama? (laughs) Uh, So I guess before we get into our recap, do you just have any sort of preliminary thoughts about what we've seen so far? Uh, Our protagonists, uh, this concept of stands, anything like that. I have exactly the same feelings as I did at the start of part two, where I'm like, uh, is it going to be as good though? Mm, Right. I think part three doesn't really put its best foot forward in a lot of ways, Mm. considering a lot of people are adjusting to these new ideas. Mm. And also our protagonist, Jotaro uh, Kujo, or Kujo Jotaro, I guess if you're going in the Japanese style. Should we call him... Jojo. Yeah. That's a good idea. That's a good it's nickname. Good. Oh. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. He basically just spends the whole episode being rude and unpleasant to everyone else in the episode. Which yeah. Which doesn't really give him the best first impression, though I think if you give him a chance, you will come to like him. He he is also 17 years old, so, mm. you know, he's got time to age. Yes. And it's interesting, something you touched on in your predictions last week, mm. uh, where the idea of each of these three protagonists embodying, like, different aspects of the sort of 
hyper masculinity their bodies yeah, demonstrate. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're you were onto something there in a sort of liquid <laughs> sense. But what you failed to predict was that um, Jotaro would embody the sort of bad boy yeah, uh, archetype. He's kind of like leather jacket man, yeah. shall we say. He's a delinquent. He's just like, ooh, I have an evil spirit inside me. I don't need no authority. So edgy. He is the 80s bad boy. <laughs> Basically. Oh, wow. Okay, so shall we talk about our episode? <sighs> Let's get into it. This so is... we begin with a sort of more structured or more um, comprehensive look at what we briefly saw last week. Yeah. A coffin being dredged up in 1983 off the coast of the Canary Islands, which are themselves off the coast of uh, Africa. Ah, well, well, history lesson and <laughs> geographical lessons here. Mm, yes. There are these, like, uh, sailor guys, and they're like, quick, pull up that chest that sank a hundred years ago. It could be treasure inside. It's going to be great for us. To be fair. Nothing is going to go wrong. We're going to be on easy street from here on out. <laughs> to be fair, there was a treasure inside. Unfortunately, it may have eaten them. But he was a treasure. <laughs> and so they're, they're prying it up, and one guy's like, hey, look at this elaborate lock. D-I-O. I wonder what that means. Maybe it means don't open, and the I is silent. <laughs> something, something interesting about Dio in this part mm. is he's consistently referred to as just Dio, often in caps, I believe. Right. As opposed to Dio Brando. Yeah. Is it maybe because he's just gone so far into his vampirism and his mm, monstrosities? Sort of, that... Yeah, he's so di- distant yeah. from the human he used to be. Yeah, he's no longer part of the Brando line. He's just Dio. Man, being down there for so long would suck. <laughs> <laughs> would it just Liam? Oh, I never would have gathered that. <laughs> Do you think he just like did meditation or something? Or just stewed over Jonathan Joestar? <sighs> yeah, he's just there being like... Slash attaching himself to his bod. Yeah. As we now know. He's just there being like, man... At least I'm alive, but this sucks. We're not alive, per se. Yeah. I suppose he is underwater, but... Dead and underwater. Yeah. The Dio story. How he got into the coffin, I don't know. But that doesn't matter. No. It doesn't matter. It's all bizarre here. Okay. Oh! They said bizarre. Yeah. They finally said bizarre! It's happened a couple of times before, but I think we need to take a shot every time that happens or something. Okay, we'll get drunk never, but hey, they said bizarre. They said it. Do you remember what in what context they said it? No, I just remember they said bizarre. <laughs> Wait, this is bizarre. This box is locked from the inside. And the other guy's like, who cares? The sun's going to set soon. Get the welder so that we can see what's inside before the sun goes down. <sighs> Evidently they didn't. Poor choice. Poor choice. And then Dio came out. And we cut to the narrator being like, one day an unmanned cruiser was spotted. The only thing inside were three half cups of coffee and a steel box on the deck that had been cut open with a torch. It was empty, but it had two compartments as if designed to shelter something. Treasure, maybe? Eventually this was all forgotten. <laughs> and then we see Stardust Crusaders. In, like, really odd writing. It's mm, what, like, yeah. sort of, like, flamey-esque. Or, like, sort of runes, almost? Yeah, 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 yeah. Ancient, carved into a stone, but it's still kind of eroding a little bit. Mm. As though to point to an ancient bloodline. Meanwhile, like, four years ago, uh, later, we're in a Japanese police station. Oh, that's unfortunate. Holly, holly or holy? I've seen it translated both ways. Let's go with holly, holly for the sake of... What is, as in holly as an H-O-L-Y? Yeah. Okay. That's odd. Which is, is for the justification for why that I might think that is reasonable. We'll come up in an episode or two. Is her middle name... No. Diver. You know, a lot of people like to associate that song with Dio in this part. Well, yeah, because it's written by Dio, so... And also, yeah. And also the thing about, like... Being oh submerged underwater yeah for a long time or whatever 
So every time people are kind of like, what do you think Dio Stan will be called? People are like, oh, Holy Diver. Is it going to be called Holy Diver? Mm. <laughs> Actually, if it was called Holy Diver, I'd be so down for that. Well, not in this part so much, but in future parts, Stan names are often named after, much like how characters often are, I mean, uh, songs and Yeah, well, to musicians. be fair... He has been down too long in the midnight scene. See, that's exactly the, so, that's exactly the joke that I'm so, talking about. I mean, you know. Congratulations, you're officially uh, <gasps> a JoJo fan. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm part of the JoJo joke. family. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, we're in a Japanese um, police station. Uh, the police are like... <laughs> a Japanese PlayStation. Police station, there sorry. There we go, there we go. <laughs> like, we've, we've arrested Kujo Jotaro. He's 17, year old, 17 years old and 195 centimetres. His father's a Japanese jazz musician who's currently away on tour. His mother is American of British descent. His friends call him Jojo. And the other cop is like, Jojo? That sounds stupid. That's a dumb name. Jeez, what an idiot. They're correct. So as I alluded to before, based on like Japanese naming conventions, his name would be Kujo Jotaro. Yeah. So uh, I pronounced that like a pile of trash. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the sort of Jojo justification is moderately more sort of... Than Jonathan Joestar? No, that I mean like... Then if you say, as we would, Jotaro Kujo. Yeah. Because... His friends call him Jojo because Jojo. In, yeah. Well, in the Western naming tradition... This is boring. <laughs> but in the Western naming tradition, you'd be taking the first and last syllable of his name. Yeah. Whereas in the Japanese naming convention, the two Joes are right next to each other. Yeah. So it makes more sense than, oh yeah, Jonathan Joestar is Jojo. No, that's... I think that makes perfect, a perfect But in sense. Japan, it'd be like, oh, but his first name is Jonathan... And we say Joestar Jonathan. No, they don't, because he's English. Touche, touche. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Holly's there. She's like, oh no, how many people did Jotaro kill? <laughs> Who said he killed anyone? <laughs> no. So he, apparently he got in a fight with some guys. One of them was a former boxer. Ooh. Uh, they had nunchucks and knives. Ooh. And Jotaro broke 15 of their bones and crushed all their testicles. Ooh. <laughs> I love how they translate it as, and he crushed their balls. Yeah. You're like, What? And then he's like, oh, sorry for my language. <laughs> I guess they called Holly there to take him home. Yeah. And they also say, please make sure he learned his lesson. And from where I'm sitting, it sounds like that might have been self-defense. Well, maybe it could have been that they were like, if dude. You guys can't... are coming at you with nunchucks. <laughs> I mean, if they came at him, sure. But if it was he came at them and then they were like, dude, you can't crush people's testicles. Calm down. Yeah. Yeah. It's just impossible to tell. He's just that bad a boy. Oh, man. He is... He's sort of like, um... You know that bad boy that sits at the back of classes? Yeah. Who has, like, that The kid hat? who goes out and smokes behind the bleachers. Yeah, he's that guy. He's from every 80s film ever. <laughs> well, he's just sort of a quintessential Japanese delinquent. He yeah, is, yeah. Going around punching people that have nunchucks and knives. <laughs> so, uh, he, he'd fit right in in Cromarty High School. <laughs> what the hell's Cromarty High That's School? That's a really funny sort of surreal comedy anime about a delinquent school. Huh. And for example, one of the students is a guy, big buff guy who never speaks, uh, who looks just like Freddie Mercury and just goes by Freddie. <laughs> is it actually Freddie Mercury? It's unclear. <laughs> it could be a young Freddie Mercury. It could be a... No, not young. Japan. Oh. oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, check out that show if you like comedy. So they're taking Holly through to the cells. They're like, oh, by the way, your Japanese is very good. She's like, I've lived here 20 years, dog. It's, it's just like a, yeah, look, I've, I've been here for a while. But it's happy. So they're like, okay, he's down here. And then she starts calling his name and running and having flashbacks of him as like an innocent child. Yep. He's like, oh, what do you want to cook? Want me to cook? And he's like, oh, I only want to cook your, I only want to eat your food, mum. Oh. oh, how sweet. And oh. 
do good in the sports meeting tomorrow. I'll try, Mum. And we see the last shot we see of him is like him holding a card and some flowers and looking really happy. As if he's off to high school? Yeah, or like, uh, yeah, or getting her a birthday present, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's unclear. Who knows? And then we just cut to his angry face being like, shut the fuck up, bitch. Shut the hell up. You're so damn annoying, you bitch. And then, bam! (laughs) JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. We uh, see JoJo's Bizarre Adventure like four times yeah. in this episode. <laughs> Hang on, what, what shall we watch? Stardust Crusaders or Adventures or something? No, I haven't heard of it, no. Oh, okay, alright. Let's talk a bit more about Jotaro. Okay. Wait, before that, mm-hmm. does Holly's name come from anything? Well, we'll get to that next week. Ooh. Ooh, okay, alright. As, as I mentioned earlier. Okay, alright. So, Jotaro. Yes. Jotaro Kujo or Kujo Jotaro? Jojo, as he's known. Jojo. So, I've got quite a long note here, so feel free to interrupt me at any time. Holy I'm shit. Gonna, I'm going to skim it. Okay. So, he's wanted to... Um, this is from the Jojonium. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, he's wanted to make the third protagonist a Japanese person since the beginning. Yep. I think I mentioned last week he'd originally planned for the show to have three parts. Where it was like beginning vampires, history vampires, end vampires. Yeah. Kind of. Uh, Jotaro was modelled after Clint Eastwood, who Araki really respects. <laughs> oh my god! Jotaro's pose with his finger out, which has become really popular now, came from one of Eastwood's poses with a forty-four Magnum. What, as in like that? Uh, there's this particular pose that you haven't seen yet. Oh, okay. He, he, right. he does. Okay, alright. Yep. Jotaro's uh, phrase, yare yare daze, came from one of Clint Eastwood's lines, which was something like, bank robbery, give me a break. I'm sorry, yare yare daze. Which means roughly, give me a break. <laughs> or good grief, I've also heard it translated as, <laughs> if you want to take a bit more of a, like a Charlie Brown bent with the character. <laughs> He's a bad boy who has a pet dog. <laughs> and depression. <laughs> and Peanuts was really just a comic about a bunch of depressed kids, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean... And also know. Lucy, who was some sort of trickster god. <laughs> It's just like, he wakes up in prison, he's like, man, I got an evil spirit. Good grief. Yeah. There's a dog lying upside down on a... <laughs> right next to him? Yeah. You can keep... Why is that dog in that cell with you? Mm-hmm. My evil spirit got it for me. His evil spirit snooping. Flying ace. <laughs> yes. I took a lot of inspiration from Rose Eastwood played right down to details like these. Jotaro seems a bit mature compared to other Shonen manga characters. Uh, main characters. Oh, like Golden Boy? Who I literally don't, know, don't his... know what that is. Okay, so like, Golden Boy's quite, I think, influential, but I don't know. Who basically goes around solving problems for attractive women. Right. And is all like, please, love me. Well, I think best point of comparison would be someone like Goku, uh, who uh, is like, sort of a wacky idiot, who, yeah. except for when it comes to the crunch. Whereas Jotaro then... is sort of deadpan straight man the whole time. Yeah, okay. So he's sort of like, I have to be serious because I'm yeah. a teenager. I don't know if there's any official word on this, but at least an interesting sort of interpretation of it, that Jotaro developed to be so sort of stoic because his family stems from Joseph Joestar, the master of reading people's, like, micro-expressions and stuff. (laughs) It's like Thanksgiving Day, and as soon as anyone flinches, Joseph is like, Aha! Your weakness has been exposed! (laughs) (laughs) To me, Jotaro is a true hero. To me, heroes are solitary. They don't seek value or praise for doing what they believe is right. Mm -hmm. In other words, their justice goes unrewarded. That seems like a very Japanese expression to me. That is very yeah. Japanese. Sometimes going down the just path makes them end up alone. Basically, I think heroes aren't supposed to have allies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. 
heroes aren't meant to have allies, and yet we've already got three. Yeah. So this is a real sort of ensemble piece compared to the previous parts. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting. I think it, you can yeah. already see. Yeah, because I, I thought I think my predictions. I think I was like, it's going to be the cousins, yeah, and the but buddies. Not quite that, but yeah, yeah. Jotaro never opens up his heart and keeps his feeling inside because he's a lone hero. Like Clint Eastwood. Hmm. Even after defeating enemies, he never goes wild and gets happy. He just says, yare yare daze. That's all he needs. Like Clint Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a little bit more. Uh, as of now, Jotaro is a representative character for Jojo. I based all the visual design of all later Jojos off of him to make sure they would all be unique and different from him. Contrast to Joseph and Jonathan who look, all looked exactly the same and still look basically like Jotaro apart yeah. from the clothing. And let's not forget George. Classic George. <laughs> Classic George. Oh. And George the Second. Oh, and George the Second. True. Not to be confused with Classic George. Which, oh. You know, there was a period in which they uh, they switched to New George, uh, but then awesome. sales weren't as good, so they switched uh, back to Classic, Classic George. George. And some people think that it was just a big marketing ploy to further boost Classic George sales. I mean, why was there even a vampire in the can in the first place, you know? <laughs> it all came from the bizarre sensibility and fantastic among the everyday that... Bizarre sensibility. <laughs> yeah. Just there. There. We've got it. That was born from the idea of a young man in a school uniform travelling through the desert. So, spoiler alert, there's a desert at some point in this. And Jotaro isn't just wearing a normal school uniform, but one with a chain on the collar and two belts. I got that. <laughs> and his belts don't look unlike the pattern on Caesar's bandana, if you hadn't noticed. Don't they? Oh. There's a similarity. Oh. Doesn't mean anything, necessarily. It just There is. It's just a little nice little throwback. Yeah. Or artistic pursuit. One image that comes to mind when you think of delinquents is how some boys attach chains to their wallets and hang them from their pants. Ah. But guess what? Jotaro's chain came first as well. Laugh. Well, <laughs> like that's like, sometimes you see kids with chains coming off things, but guess what? I did it first. I'm the best. <laughs> I made an entire fashion trend. I cut some other stuff from this note about, that was a little more spoilery, about... How some stuff that happens in this would later go on to be emulated and other things and you're like, but I did it first. No, that makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of like if you've made something where you see everyone doing that thing and you're just like... Well, the other thing that did, did that. this particular thing, it's hard to elaborate on without going into the details, yeah. wasn't like a manga or anything. It was just like, I think a documentary might have been involved. Hey. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to well, that in due course. Oh. In like a year. In like three weeks. Okay. And th- to me, that's a year. Jotaro just turns back around and goes back to sleep. And the police are like, hey, no, you're leaving now. Don't do not do that. Don't you get what leaving means? And he sits up threateningly. Hey. His hat, which seamlessly... Yeah, we haven't really discussed his, his appearance yet. Well, did we need to? So let's start from the top. Okay. He's got this hat. It's, it's got like some badges on the front. It's like a black hat. Yeah, frequently covers his eyes. I think just one eye. Okay, yeah. Uh, it yeah. also sort of seamlessly merges into his hair at the back of his head. Okay. Is this like a like one of those hats that sort of stops kind of halfway down where your hair is no, and then lets it the is back out? Just a hat. Okay. It's just a sort of stylistic thing. Okay. Yep. All right. His hair cannot be bounded. Yeah. That's basically what we're learning. <laughs> like all the other JoJo's before him, his hair cannot. It's be even bounded. worse because in a future outfit, he he wears white. Ooh. So, Ooh, dear. There's, there's like a sort of weird color gradient halfway along his head. What gradient? On account of his black hair. Oh no. Okay, right, all right. <laughs> Maybe secretly he's, like, graying. Combing, he's combing it in. <laughs> he's got this massive grey hair that's just like, oh, no, no one can see it yet. <laughs> well, he takes off his hat in this episode. Yeah, I guess he does, yeah. Then he's got a big old coat. Like, massive coat. Yeah, and with a big chain coming off the, um... This, uh, when you're looking at him, it's from on the right. So his left so his, shoulder. Yeah, his left shoulder. Yeah. 
just and hangs down loose. It's like a massive chain too. Yeah. It seems to be made out of shitty gold. Yeah. Not real gold, but like, you know, the sort of Japanese gold where... Whoa! <laughs> no, I mean like, you know, you'd buy it off the street and be all like, I'm cool now. And it makes all the clinking noises, but you know it's not real gold. Right. Otherwise it'd just come apart. And then he's wearing um, a t-shirt under that. Yep. Close cut pants with like flares at the bottom. I can't tell if they're leather pants or not. Unclear at this stage. Yeah, I don't know. And then, like, they might... wingtips? Are they what like, that sort of shoe is called? Uh, they are pointy shoes, yeah. but with the flat at the top. Yeah, no laces. Yeah, no laces. They're like loafers. Also, no socks, I think. Ooh, oh, Jotaro. Gonna get some food oh, out of there, Jotaro. No, uh, risky choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially what's coming up. He sits up menacingly and he's like, I'm not leaving. I'm possessed by an evil spirit. I don't know what it'll make me do. In that fight, I was trying to stop it, but look what happened. I crushed their testicles. Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to, but there you go. Testicles and they're, gone. They're like, we're trying to release him, but he's not leaving. Is he crazy? <laughs> Do they yell at him and be like, uh, you guys are crazy, or you are crazy? Don't know why I said you guys. Hey, Jotaro, we just met you, and this is crazy. <laughs> but will you fuck off? <laughs> yeah, first draft of that song really wasn't as good. <laughs> Then a bunch of people who are apparently also in that cell, even though we only see them for a second. We never saw them beforehand. It was just Joe. I, mean, I think we only see them in one shot afterwards. Yeah. I'm like, please let us change cells. He's, He's telling the truth. He's crazy. He's got an evil spirit inside of him. It's really freaky. And then the cop just like starts banging on the cells with his baton being like, shut up. Get back, you yeah. ruffians. Meanwhile, Jojo shotguns a beer. <laughs> Literally, he just has a beer in his hand. Yep. He pulls out a pen. He bursts the... The bottom the of it. The can. And then just shotguns it. And, and they're like... like ah, and all this steam comes out of his mouth. They're like, what? How did you get that? <laughs> he's listening to a boombox and reading Shonen Jump. The hell is he getting this stuff from? And then the comic floats into his hand. And he's like, I told you, the evil spirit brings me things. What? Now, this is one of those things that you'll learn later. Doesn't really jive with how we learn that Jotaro's stand works. Okay. You see it briefly in this episode, but... Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you that it's a very close range stand and its effective range is about a meter to t- meter or two meters. Like five meters away, it's gone. It's gone forever. Yeah, it just can't manifest that far. Right. That makes sense. So I guess like maybe people walked past the cell window with that they, stuff. They would have to, right? Like, <laughs> and then somehow he pulled them through the bars. Uh, hum on, clearly. Joe Taro doesn't know how to do that. <gasps> he doesn't know how to do that. Ooh. Joseph does. He's in this episode. Yeah. Because... Jotaro's like, look, if you're still going to try and release me, I'll show you how dangerous I can be, huh? So then he walks up to the cell door. Yep. And then we see his hand. Yeah, he holds out his hand. And then another hand follows. Yeah, it's sort of, I don't know. Bluey purple? Yeah, it's like sort of above and in front of his regular hand. Yes, yes it is. You see this a little bit in this episode and occasionally throughout the rest of the series. I love this where stands are sort of in a sort of liminal space between summoned and unsummoned. Mm. Where So like when he reaches out and he pulls the cop's um, revolver off its chain. Why like, a cop has a revolver is beyond me. I think me, Japanese cops get revolvers. I'm sure they just get normal pistols. No, like. I, think, I think they get revolvers. They get revolvers? I think so. Good lord. Okay, yep. They're like not magnums. <laughs> Yeah, but still, revolvers. Uh, he pulls it off the sort of connecting chain it's on, mm-hmm. and it comes back to his hand, and I love it, the way that sort of the stand hand sort of... Merges. Merges into his hand. Yeah. That's, that's something that happens occasionally in this show, and I really like that. It's very almost Persona or Beyblade-esque. It's like sort of... Um, it's like a spirit that merges with its mind. You're sort of... Yeah. Or, there are times where he sort of does it to like augment the things he's actually doing with his hand, yeah. rather than just 
having this other hand off doing things. And, and I, I really, see, I really like, like that. That's mm. a, sort of a fun thing. I think if it was overdone, it would be kind of pointless because it would just be them, you know, doing karate or whatever. Yeah. But considering it's done so sparingly, I really like it. Mm. Uh, yep, so he's like, got this gun now. Later, Doug. <laughs> and they're like, what? How did you get the gun? But Holly could see the hand. Holly is amazed. She's just there being like, the hell? Did you see it? If you didn't see it, I'm going to do it. And he holds the gun up to his head and cocks it. And then, bang! He fires. He's taking off his hat for this. I assume he didn't want to shoot his hat in the head. <laughs> he doesn't want to possibly damage, damage a, the hat. A fine hat. With all the blood that's going to come out. Mm. But he fires it. And then... And he's fine. The bullet is caught by the spirit Ghostly hand. purple hand. <gasps> that means he's technically invincible to firearms, kind of. <laughs> so, yeah, he, um, he drops the gun out through the front of the cell. The hand drops the bullet out. And they're like, what the hell? Yeah. And Holly is freaking out. His grandfather, Joseph, had strange powers, but what's happening to him? And so the next shot we get is... We get one of these um, title cards. Oh, yeah, another one. That's right. Um, In which we see Stan name, question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah, okay. Stan master, Jotaro Kujo. So we get like an outline of his stand that we see later, but... There's also this weird graph thing in the bottom left. So, yeah, this is something that's going to happen at least once or twice an episode now. Is this kind of like a Beyblade rating? Where it's like, aggression, B, defense, There are six stats ranked from A to E. Oh, my God. Uh, They're all currently unknown for this particular stat. This is so Japanese, Uh, having stats for vague things. Yeah. as I said, these show up basically one, a couple of times an episode. Basically, yeah. there's an ad break now. Sort of like a Pokemon thing where it's like, can Who's you name... that Pokemon? Yeah, like that. Yeah. I'm going to go over what the stats mean now, but I'm not going to recite them for individual stands in this show oh. because I can't imagine anything more interminable than listening to a show where the guy's like, yeah, so this one's speed is a rank of A, but its power is B. And I really think that because its range is C, that means it's, you know, it's got a lot of power, but, you know, its overall potential is limited by the ability of the user to get closer to the, its opponent, you know? Yeah, because my immediate reaction would be, yeah, but why don't they just use Harmon? <laughs> well, no, it's just boring today listen to someone recite stats you know oh i'm sorry i I didn't realize it was boring to recite stats yes oh (laughs) (laughs) and secondly the other reason why i'm not really going to go into great detail of these is these graphs that have been inserted into the anime are sort of retroactively created um Uh... around the time of part five i think they started being written at the same time as the right as the the plot whereas these were sort of retroactively created in art books and such so yeah so they he sort of took ne- it on. And they then. aren't necessarily representative of what we see in the fiction. Right, okay. Because there's such a... Also, know. stats for vagities. <laughs> like, literally any time you have stats, it's either because someone has laboriously gone through the process of being like, okay, I need to make these stats make sense. And then everything stems from those stats. Or you get something like this or Beyblades where it's like... Aggression. You really want to talk about Beyblades this episode, Dude, don't this you? entire <laughs> stand thing is just like Beyblades. We'll get to that in due course. Oh. So these six stacks, stats, mm-hmm. uh, destructive power, okay. speed, uh-huh. range, gotcha. which refers to both the range a stand can go from its user, or the effective range of its attacks. So the difference between, say, Jotaro's can only go like two meters. Yeah. Well, if my stand, if, if my stand was, say, had the ability to shoot lasers, yeah. then... Regardless of how far it manifested from me, it would probably have a good range stat yeah. because it could shoot lasers. Because lasers would go on yeah. for like all infinity. Durability slash staying, what? which is the degree to which it's susceptible to damage. Huh. But also possibly the amount of endurance necessary to keep it stunned. They should have said standing power hmm. instead of staying. Precision, 
which is fairly self-explanatory. No, but okay. Like precision of movements, precision of use of abilities. But okay, sure, yep. And development potential. Our stand's capacity to improve or its overall capabilities or effectively use its powers. Isn't that a spoiler? Development capability. Not necessarily. Just because you have a lot of potential doesn't mean you'll reach it. Okay, alright. Okay. Wait, does that mean that multiple people can share stands? No. So, because the way I, I want to go it. into this now, um, this comes up in an episode or two. Okay, maybe um, not. We'll get to that. And there are like, three or four rules of stand that are given uh, that are all broken at different times throughout the series. <laughs> um, Classic, yep. But that's, you know, let's go into this. Okay. 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 So, some rules of stands are generally only one person can have a stand. Okay. Uh, so you can't have twins. Yeah. So you can't have, like, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World twin musos who are like yeah we're gonna have like twin dragons or something like that right stands are generally unique okay uh, i'm doing these from memory so i'm probably not getting all these right stands are powerful a person can only have one stand okay i think you already said that but that's okay oh no the other one was okay never mind never mind yeah uh so rules like that right okay gotcha. A- and oh and also generally speaking the further away it is from its user the weaker it is okay Alright. But so if these doing... are all broken at different times. It's like how... The best an- an- analogy for it I've heard hmm. is... Let's say we're playing D&D. Go on. I give you a list of the rules of D&D. And uh-huh. I say, these are the rules. Okay. And then I give you a list of the abilities on your character sheet. And I say, these are the, all the ways you can break those rules. Okay. So the further away I get from you, the more rules I can break. Exactly. Because you can't see <laughs> Because I'm see the dungeon it. master. <laughs> right. No, um, so basically, these are generally the rules unless a stance power specifically circumvents that rule. Gotcha. Okay. So it's kind of like, these are the laws of physics, but my stand negates that. Precisely. Okay, cool. All right. So basically, Japanese powers. <laughs> yes. Gotcha. And as you bring, I bring that up now... Um, and all Marvel characters. Abdul later mentioned in the episode that stands are basically right. assumed to be psychic powers by people who aren't in the know. Yeah. Uh, that, which really reflects a lot of the desi- design behind these early stands. Mm. So Jotaro's stand is pretty obviously like telekinesis at this stage if you can't see the hand moving it. Yeah. Abdul's Magician's Red stand is... It's like pyromancy. Pyrokinesis. Yeah. And Joseph's Thorny Vine stand... The way it uh, creates those spirit photos. Like a soothsayer. Like clairvoyance yeah. or ESP. Yeah. Shall we go into the sort of research I've done on the design behind stands now? Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> stands. Again, fairly long note. Feel free to interrupt at any point. Oh god. Uh, so we talked before in previous episodes about how the idea of Lisa Lisa being a powerful Hammond master was sort of... Similar thinking in the design behind stands where physical appearance doesn't need to necessarily correlate with... Ability to fight. Mm. And furthermore, on top of that, uh, my doubt over supernatural powers helped me come up with stands. I doubt powers such like, uh, just think hard enough and things will begin to move. I don't see anything. How can you say your willpower moved things? I wanted something visible that could explain these powers. For example, if a person is in the dark and something moves, you can't really see what's happening. But if something visible pops out from the person and actually touches things and moves them, then you'd say, oh, I see. Stands are proof of those superpowers. Basically my way of explaining how these invisible powers work. Well, they're kind of like pseudo-proof, but they still work as an explanation. Laugh. Huh, okay. I called it a stand after light stands. The type that sit behind your bed in a looming manner when you read. With stands, I thought I could describe loads of things. What a good idea, I thought. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like he's about to be like, What a good idea, I thought at the time. In part three, I connected stands with tarot cards because I wanted each stand to be unique. 
The stand's designs were in- inspired by yokais and eerie folk crafts. Ah. I first decided the ability and then the appearance with which readers can associate with the ability. What I love about stands is that I can express psychological warfare. <laughs> Uh, okay. (laughs) The stand's physical powers are not what matters most, e.g. a stand with no physical power, but with the ability to make enemies tell lies could still be very formidable. Hmm. This is true. Hmm. This is true. So, yeah. Thoughts? Thoughts, stands? I do enjoy the fact that it's kind of like a mix between, oh, yeah, I have this crazy power of Hamon, and, oh, yeah, here's a logical explanation but it's where the two kind of meet. Mm, yeah. Like he was saying, like it's a pseudo explanation where it's like, yeah, it kind of explains it. And I think as we've seen in this episode, you are willing to put up with some more crazy bullshit considering for the most part, each stand can only do one thing. Yeah. So it's like, okay, he can control fire. He can do some dumb bullshit with fire. I can buy yeah. into this. He's got fire bird. That's okay. And Jotaro's looks pretty simple where it's just like a big dude. Yeah, big. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. How is the process of changing from ripples to stands? I tried portraying the ripple through pictures, and I also tried portraying the psychic ability of stands with pictures too, but how should I say it? I wanted to have punches from here, away from body. Mm -hmm. I had a meeting for it where I was asked, what are you going to do next? You can't use the ripple anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why? Hang on a minute. Who was that? Was that like a producer? I guess. (laughs) So it's just like, oh yeah, you can't use the ripple. That's a shame. Why not? Don't. Because I said so. Don't talk back. Genius man. But when I said, well, a punch comes out of here, referring to the front of body, and breaks stuff, they'd be confused and wouldn't understand me. Mm. So I was like, how should I say this? Well, there's a thing like a guardian spirit, and it comes out and attacks. That's how I explained what the new ability would be, and nobody would understand what I was on about. (laughs) It's not an especially complex idea. No, not really, at all. (laughs) I told them that I think I could create a lot of characters this way. I could make, like, a green-coloured punch or a sharp thing spawn and make them fight. <laughs> I could make a green-coloured punch and then I'd, I'd just make a... You know, a, you'll get a uh, green-coloured punch if you use a lot of limes. Yeah, I'll just I'll just make a, a, a sharp thing. That's, that's what I'll do. Yeah, a sharp thing. There we go. I totally genius. sandbagged my dumb joke then. <laughs> just like... What even? He's a genius. Stans gave me a lot of trouble when it came to explaining them, but I really felt that I could keep inventing new characters and ideas this way. It was like I dug up a gold mine. No one else thought it was gold, but I was like, wow, look at what I dug up. (laughs) To be fair, it is a bit of a genius idea. So yeah, Stans, my favourite thing about them is the way they allow for simultaneous beatdowns and sick poses. (laughs) (laughs) Where the guy in the back is posing, but the stand is just smashing a motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, dude. Oh, dude, get hyped. I was hesitant when I first encountered stands. Yeah. I'm not really into shows where things, where people fight by proxy. Mm. Things like uh, Beyblades. Beyblades, yeah. Um, pet classes in MMOs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything to do with a hunter in D&D. I sort of prefer things to have that sort of more personal element. Mm. But stands work for me in that regard, given... Because it's still personal, it's just yeah. that... And have to be... with the majority of them, the person is still like right next to their stand. Yeah. Uh, and also, as we see in a little bit damage to a stand is reflected yeah. on the user It seems like a straight one-to-one thing. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Oh. It's imaginative. It is a creative gold mine, if you will. <laughs> but no one else really understood what, what you dug up. <laughs> Some things are better left buried. Like Dio. But Dio drowned. <laughs> <laughs> no, he burnt up. True dad. And then drowned. Oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> then he fell in the swamp. He's looking pretty good for a man who got burned alive. Yeah. We're at an airport. Yes. Oh, my God. We're at an airport. Joseph Joestar is in the Japanese airport. And he's just like, ah. Oh. He sees Holly and he's like, Holly! And 
Get out of my way, Smashes this guy who is who looks pretty tall normally, but Joseph looks like twelve feet tall in this episode. I want I want to imagine that it's like uh, what's the author's name again? Araki. I want to imagine that Araki's just gone. I went to America once, and everyone's huge. So I thought, oh, Japanese people must be quite short compared to Americans. <laughs> so then he comes over from America, and he's just enormous. Yeah. He's like, see, that's what an American is like. Like, no, not quite, but okay. So Joseph, he's got a grey beard now. He's wearing yep. a sort of Stetson hat. Mm-hmm. He looks quite different to, differently drawn from what we saw before. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was talking about last week, if yeah. you recall. Like, his beard is less defined. Yeah. Like, it sort of merges into his cheeks a bit easier. It's sort of like part of his jawline. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, he's wearing sort of a beigeish, yellowish coat. He's got a gem here. Mm, yeah. On his chest. Redstone of Asia, maybe? Ooh, maybe. I mean, we're not doing anything with it anymore. Yeah, it's just there being like, That oh, never man. comes up, but that would be neat if it was the case. Yeah, it just like literally sits there and then the sun starts rising and then he accidentally Ooh, gets... Accidentally causes car accidents via lasers. <laughs> he's like, oh no. <laughs> so should we talk about Joseph? I just thought that was Stroheim's legacy. It's just him shooting from the torso. <laughs> We've got a lot of characters to talk about in this episode. Yeah, so, Should we talk about Joseph now? Yes. So Joseph looks old. Yep. Like very old. You said that it comes up later. No, it doesn't exactly. Um, okay. Basically, as you can probably assume, he's fitter than he should be at his age because of the ham on. Yeah. But he's be- still pretty old. He's, you know, older than Lisa. Lisa would have looked at that age because Joseph is lazy and doesn't really <laughs> yeah, I was do thinking, his training. <laughs> I was just thinking literally be like, yeah, but Joseph is Joseph. Like, I would love to see a time-lapse photo of him aging where, like, the first, like, I don't know, 30 years, he's basically not aging. And then he gets complacent and just, it catches up to him super quick. Immediately <laughs> yeah. ages. Yeah. And then we get Lisa Lisa just backhanding him. Yeah, just not aging at all. Yeah. She's conceivably still alive during this. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if she makes a comeback. She doesn't. Damn it. Wait, what if in part nine she makes a comeback? So, Joseph. He sort of embodies, like, the mentor role in this part, as you can probably imagine, yeah, being an older man. He's sort of like the... Speed... Non-combat ability. Yeah, he's sort of like the Zappelli or Speedwagon here. More Zappelli than Speedwagon, I guess I'd say. Yeah, where he's just sort of, like, explaining things. He's giving his expertise. Um... actually doing things. Yep. <laughs> what is there to say about Joseph Joestar? It hasn't already been said. I mean, come on, the man is a genius. <laughs> his special stand... Which comes back later, I was saying... We were both saying that, like, it's literally his leering ability to see past doors. <laughs> which he has been well documented in doing. Okay, I have some notes about the stand. Okay. Joseph Stan is a support ability that uses thought photography and thought hearing. He used to be a main character, but the reason I didn't give him an attack-based ability was I wanted to give him a role as a navigator. Mm. By which I mean... I, which is sort of a strange translation, but he, you know, providing guidance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He was their access to the world, the navigator they needed, and the line that helped them gather data. Basically, I had an image of telephone lines and network cables. If he connects to a camera, he gets pictures. If he connects to a TV, he gets video. I just transposed the idea of that line onto vines. The image of of the vine is also connected to Joseph's ripple ability. Somehow. (laughs) Okay. I wanted to make... I've always wanted to make pictorial visualizations of supernatural abilities since Jojo began. Stands were based on that concept, just like Ripple was. So when I thought about putting Joseph back in the story, I needed to decide how I would... Visualize a ripple as a stand. Ripple is life energy that travels through the entire body through a special breathing method. Therefore, a concrete visualization of it would be sort of some sort of wire wrapped around the entire body like a vine. If Jotaro's group time traveled back to the world of part two, they would probably be able to see this stand wrapped around Joseph, just like in part three. Uh, sure. So that sort okay. of implies that Joseph's stand is sort of a logical extension of his Hamon abilities. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a fairly common joke again in the fan base that his stand being vines made it like 
spiritual energy is basically just giving him an infinite source of string. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh no! He's gonna have so many moments where he's like, "Aha!" Uh-huh. Next, you're gonna say, "Why really. are you putting all these vines around the place?" <laughs> Honestly, it would be cool if, cool if he did, but it doesn't really. Because oh. again, this isn't his story anymore. It's like literally the second last episode, and then it's the first time he does it, <laughs> and you're like, oh, "It's happening!" He did the thing. It's happening. Anything else to say about Joseph? Um, he's huge. He is a tall man. He's a silver fox. <laughs> he is no bear. Let's give it that. <laughs> yeah, he's just, uh, he's a dude. So he smashes this guy out of the way and gives his daughter like a big hug. It's literally like, out of the way, civilian. I have a daughter to love. It's quite sweet. If somewhat brutish. <laughs> <laughs> the hug, I mean, is sweet. Oh, yeah. And so- then she keeps hugging him and he's like, okay, this is getting weird now. You can get off. It's like, I haven't seen you for so long, dad. And then she starts tickling him and he's like, Ugh! and his, his robot hand makes that noise. <laughs> that clicking noise. You'll never forget this man has a robot hand. <laughs> I quite like that at the end of part two, it was like, are you going to do the clicky bit? And now we see it immediately again. Just be like, don't forget, mm-hmm. he's got a robot hand. <laughs> a Nazi made it for him. So Holly explains. <laughs> <laughs> Holly explains that she could see that hand, but the police officers couldn't, and she's freaking out. Not the robot hand, the spirit hand. Yes, yes. Yes, the spirit hand of Jotaro Kujo. Yep. Yep. And Jotaro refuses to leave the cell until he's figured out what's going on. So Joseph Joestar's here to figure it out. And he clicks his fingers and they leave the airport, and a man in red and white robes follows them. (gasps) I immediately thought it was Messina. (laughs) It is not Messina. It is not Messina. Thus proving that nothing happened with Messina. Nothing ever. matters with Messina. What if he was the no. Hollywood screenwriter? Ooh. Ah. Back in the prison, Jotaro's playing with a remote-controlled car. Somehow they've managed to get an RC car. There are dramatic shots of, like, office chairs and... A laptop. Thermoses and... All sorts of amazing things. Yeah. And then the police officer was like, this is terrifying. If anyone found out, I'd lose my job in a heartbeat. I just, I'm waiting for him to sort of finish that thought with, I need to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> this has gone on long enough, Jotaro Kujo. But no, then um, Joseph walks in and is like, don't worry, I'll take my grandson home. And Jotaro's like, Jotaro's like, grandson. Grandpa. Metal Gear. Stand. <laughs> You know, it's funny we were talking about Jotaro being inspired by um, Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Because in the English dub, he's, which has yet to be released, I believe, other than a few <sighs> test episodes, he's voiced by the guy who voices McCree in Overwatch. Oh, Matt Mercer. Yeah. Holy and shit. And it basically just sounds exactly the same. And obviously McCree has obvious Eastwood. Eastwoody um, tendencies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so does he have an American accent? Well, they all do. Wow. Which is unfortunate. Wow. Well, except for Stroheim, but let's be honest, Stroheim's No, nice. that's a different company doing the Stardust Crusaders dub, so... Oh! They decided not uh, to take the cool route of having crazy no. accents. Oh! God damn it. Alright. That is disappointing. Yep. Oh, well. So he's like, mm, yeah, I'm Jotaro. It's high noon. <laughs> I've got a stand. <laughs> Huh, interesting. Mm. So, Joseph walks in, he picks up these police officers by the scruffs of the neck and throws them against the wall. Yeah, as soon as they're like, you can't just waltz in here and expect to... Ah, uh, no, no, nah, excuse me. It's okay, I'm just going to assault some police officers. Yeah. Get out of my way, I'm 12 feet tall, fuck off. There's a really cool shot where they're both sort of dramatically walking along either, either side of these cell bars, mm. and like we see their feet, and then it pans up, and they're both standing glaring at each other, and Joseph's like, get out, we're going home. <laughs> It's like, he's the dad that's like, get out. Yeah. We're leaving. He's a strong paternal authority figure. <laughs> it's time to go. But J- Jodaru says, get lost. I didn't ask you to come here. What the hell can you do to help me? I didn't ask you to talk back, boy. <laughs> go back to New York, rich man. 
Ooh. Oh, yeah, the reason why uh, Susie Q isn't here. Oh, yeah, because Joseph lied and said he was going on a business trip. You know how I said they might get divorced? <laughs> I'm thinking they might get divorced. <laughs> she must be getting on in years, though. Yeah, probably a she bit quicker She doesn't have the, the ripple. Although maybe she's learned it from... Because if Holly knows, then that must... Why, does, why would Holly know? Well, I mean, obviously, she's been told at some point. Oh, right, knows. Right. Yeah, 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 no, not Holly the nose. Like right, I the... thought you meant Holly knows how to... Oh, make... right, no. Sunlight punches. No, 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 no. Um, but Susie Q already knew that Harmon existed. Yeah, because, yeah. she was a butler. But now she might also be using Harmon alongside... Oh, maybe she's actually doing it a lot better as well. <laughs> Joseph's yeah. just like, I don't need Harmon. And then she's all like, I've been using it and I'm yeah. young, so... Because of the patriarchy, right, guys? Wow, this has escalated <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> Jotaro holds up the pinky that he ripped off Joseph's hand. Just now? Yep. Who knew? When did that happen? And then he gets his clicky hand. He's like, what? How did... What? These aren't cheap, son. (laughs) I got this made by a Nazi who had a giant laser turret for a torso. I'm sure sure the Speedwagon Foundation probably kits him out now. Oh, yeah, true. I have to go to America. Yeah. Go to a fucking foundation set up by my dead oil mongol. (laughs) Mongol? Mogul, there we go. <laughs> it's like, this is what my evil spirit does. Don't get close to me or it'll kill you. I'm going to go like, now. Nah, fuck it's that. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get my cool Egyptian friend Avdol here to fuck you up. So, is it Avdol or Av- Avodol? It's Muhammad Avdol. Muhammad it's also, Avdol. I've seen it translated as Abdul too. Ah. But I'm uh, more inclined, since that's what our subtitles are saying at least, yeah. to go with Avdol. Muhammad Avdol. Potentially named after Paula Abdul. Ooh, nice. At least according to the JoJo wiki. Yeah. Who you may know as the person who sang that song opposite the track with that animated cat, MC Scatcat. No, but okay. You know MC Scatcat? The sort of brief 80s hip hop figure that was an animated cat. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to pull up the MC Scatcat Wikipedia page for a moment because... I'm sorry, a Wikipedia page of MC Scatcat. Fictional characters have Wikipedia pages, Nick. It's allowed. Yeah, but... He's not that influential, is he? He was in a hit song. Because the description of his personality on that Wikipedia page is the most white corporate winging to getting on this hip-hop thing thing I've ever read. He's a cool dude. Ready to keep <clears throat> with the hip trends. You're not wrong. <laughs> really? Oh my god. Okay. Here we go. According to the press kit from Virgin Records Media Information, Scatcat is a street philosopher with an alley cat point of view. <laughs> He enjoys rapping and dancing, has got an eye for the ladies, and, and this is the big one, okay. remains on the smooth tip with an old school rap influence, which adds the street to his new school hip hop. What? Who thought this would be the... <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Wait, no. It doesn't make any sense to us now. That's the key. Back then, everyone would have just been like, holy shit. It adds the street to his new school hip-hop. What? (laughs) You know, when your street's ahead, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. Hang on. So his entire personality is just like, hey man, I'm a cool guy. Yeah, he's a street philosopher. I'll get you in. He's a street philosopher. He raps rhymes that come from the heart with his mind through his mouth. Because he's a cat. Yeah. And cats have all three of those things. This is really just one step forward, two steps back. But it's the best possible one step forward, two steps back. Doing the song. Hey, man. You're a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, after I was like, I can get him out of the cell, but it might hurt him. Is that okay? Yeah, man. Go for it. Great. If he dies, whatever. Avdol moves in slow motion. He starts glowing. I think at this point, Jodoro was like, what are you going to do? 
What, what the hell are you going to do, old man? What's yeah. your friend going to do? You look tough, but I'm tougher. I've got this evil spirit. There's nothing you can do to help me. Yeah. What would you know about evil... He glows, and then a giant buff bird guy with pants and cuffs made of fire <laughs> emerges from his body. Like a Beyblade spirit. Yeah, okay, you want to talk about Beyblades? I do, okay. okay. So, when a Beyblades user is like, I want to unleash the power within my Beyblade, right? Because every Beyblade has a little spirit icon on it, right? Right, okay. Okay, when you spin it, the Beyblade's just an old Beyblade, but the user can then incite the power of the spirit within, like a stand... And this looks exactly like it, because we don't see, like, this dude's legs. We do. No, but they're made of fire. But they're his feet. Oh, he does have feet. Well, there's, like, toes of fire as well. Very important. Toes of fire at the bottom. I'm pretty sure he actually just has feet. Damn it. Okay. Well, anyway. The Beyblade thing comes out of the Beyblade, much like the stand comes out of a human being. Right. And then it's like, and now I shall use it to my advantage. That's all I wanted to okay, say. Okay, cool. I'm just saying, it's literally Beyblades have just copied this idea and I fucking love <laughs> and it. And stuck it in spinning tops. I now understand all Japanese superpowers. <laughs> yeah. So, um... Persona. Persona. Persona comes out of this man. Yep. Uh, he's he's a giant beak-birded man. Yeah, but he's, then he's just got like a regular dude bod. Yeah, and he's like, serious pecs. Yeah. Good abs. Not as good as the pillman, but good. You know, good abs. He pins... Jitaro to the wall with like points of fire on each of his limbs. They're like fire whips or something. Mm. That have they're like prehensile whips made of fire, which would hurt. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, and they seem to get him at points. Yeah, which I notice. Like there's like these little circles where they're pressing against his hand or something. So this guy's named Magician's Red. That's my stand. Is Magician's Red? It's a good name. I like it. It's nice. Do you want to talk about Abdol now? This is the last of our. Do you want to talk about this character bits? This episode. Yes, yes, because Abdol okay. seems like an interesting. He's dude about to kick Egypt. in. He's about to kick into high gear. Yeah. Um, first stand user of the series. Yeah, I guess so. First guy we see probably well, manifest named, his yeah. stand. First named stand yeah. user. I made Abdol the sub leader of the Joestar group. He was the assistant to Joseph, the second JoJo and navigator of the group. Wait, the if sub. You've, if you've got who Joseph was. The, the sub leader. Yeah. As in, like. Well, Joseph is like the sort of. Guiding force and Abdol is like his sort of right hand man. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. I wanted him to be someone that everyone could count on due to his strong sense of duty and loyalty. Since his job was to prove that Joseph was telling the truth when he told Jotaro about how Dio came back to life, I wanted him to have some kind of past with Dio. Uh, with Dio. So I gave his hair and clothes ethnic touches. <laughs> I had to cut uh, out uh, a key word there that explains why that makes sense. Okay, all right. At the time, lots of people, including me, were interested uh, in Egypt as the birthplace of civilization. so I think Abdul's appearance really fits with the times. Mm. Being able to control flames is something that people always put in movies and manga. And in the end, it's just about burning things up. (laughs) (laughs) I like this guy! (laughs) So in the end, it becomes a pretty all-powerful ability. I think in terms of Jojo, flames and poisonous gas have become off-limits for me. (laughs) (laughs) I just like that... Now, he's like, you know what? Poisonous gas might not be the best way to go about things. No. <laughs> but a man made out of fire who's also kind of got a bird head? You know what? Yeah. That's like sort of phoenix that. imagery, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. If I made a story centred around Avdol, I would pr- probably have explored his relationship with his father, his upbringing, and his family. I'm pretty sure it would become a mature story that wouldn't really fit in Shonen Jump. Hmm. So, the Magician. Magician's Red. The Magician is the first card in the tarot deck, in the Major Arcana of the tarot deck. Do you reckon, like, he bought some tarot cards, unpacked them, and the first thing he drew was Magician? (laughs) Well, he is a fortune teller. Ah, there you go. So, for those of you who may not know... A tarot card. Well, the tarot were playing cards that originated around 
or I thought it originated in around 15th century Europe. Mm-hmm. Was that medieval or was that... No. Okay. That was like, I think that's post-Renaissance. Like 1600s. Yes. That's when uh, London burned down. No, hang on, 1400s? Yeah, 1400s. 1400s. That's not when London burned okay. down. Okay. So there are four suits that typically varied based on the region you found it in. Uh-huh. These are, um, and also, so that's like, you know, your typical ace to ten, king, queen, jack, uh, but also knight. Yep. And then also, um, the deck also has what we normally think of when we think of the tarot deck. Um, the major arcana, distinguished from the standard cards being the minor arcana. Right. Uh, and the suits that are used in uh, a common tarot deck, known as the, uh, the tarot de Maasai, uh, the French variant. Okay. Uh, uses uh, wands, swords, cups, and coins for its suits. Ah, interesting. But that's not important. <laughs> because well. we are only dealing with the major arcana in this series. Oh, but I like <laughs> numbers. <laughs> So they're the things you see in popular culture, like the magician, the death card, the tower, things like that. Mm-hmm. And to quote Wikipedia, the cards are traced by some occult writers to ancient Egypt or the Kabbalah, but there is no documented evidence of such origins or of the usage of tarot for divination before the 18th century. So what you're saying is Egyptians made the tarot cards, which is why Abdol is the first one that gets <laughs> revealed. I mean, it's a through line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the magician... Is the first card in the Major Arcana if you don't count the Fool, which occupies the zero position. The Fool? Yeah. Oh, like the Jester Fool. Yeah, the oh, Fool. Right. Yeah. I thought it was like Fool as in a Fool. Oh, yeah, 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 sorry. <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, the Magician can symbolise uh, taking conscious action, willpower, focus and wisdom. And I think that sort of is reflected in Avdol's sort of... Duty and... Calm, calculating. Yeah. Like he doesn't, he never really loses his cool in this yeah. whole fight. Even though he has a fire bird. And is having his throat crushed at one point. Yeah. He's just a cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. The magician is not afraid to act. He believes in himself and is willing to put that belief on the line. He knows his intentions and his situation exactly and can focus with a single-minded determination. This card is a signal to act and act now, provided you understand exactly what you want and are committed to getting to it. Which I guess sort of represents Abdul's role in like providing insight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're committed to getting, if you're committed to getting Jotaro out of that cage, he knows what stands out. He knows what they can do, so he doesn't have to be afraid. Yeah. The magician's opposing cards are the High Priestess, which represents non-action or intuition, and the Hanged Man, which symbolizes suspended action and and inaction. It's reinforced by the Chariot, which represents concentration, focus, and forcefulness. Right. Interesting. Now you know about the magician. Now I know about tarot. Yeah. If anyone keeps track of this throughout the whole of this part three, they could probably learn to do like a, an amateur level tarot reading. <laughs> You're just like, man, you know what? What are my tarot readings? <laughs> so, jo- Jotaro is still pinned against the wall. You were going to say Joseph then, weren't yep. you? Ooh. Jojo is pinned against the wall. And then Magician's Red is moving in. Yep. But then Jotaro is like, I'm not out for the count yet. And his stand appears. Yeah, manifests out of his body. It's a big purple guy. It's literally like a big purple Aztec dude. Yeah, he's got a big hair. He's got some sort of like jeweled bandana or studded bandana on his head, headband. He's got some massive earlobe rings. Yep. He's got a red muffler around his shoulder and big shoulder pads. Yet no shirt. No. Well, uh, yeah, he's kind of sort of techno. He looks like he has a sort of techno organic um, aesthetic. Yeah. I'm, be- I'm beginning to feel as though the whole shirtless stand thing might be a recurring <laughs> theme, which I'm, you know, I'm perfectly okay with. You know, it's perfectly fine. And he's got these uh, black gla- black fingerless gloves with sort of yellow studs on them. Yes. For punching. For punching people. So he, yeah, he just, he rebuffs him and then grabs Magician's Red by the neck, which is reflected on Abdul's body. So immediately upon crushing the neck. Yeah, just Abdul's going ne- straight for the windpipe. Yeah, Abdul's neck is just like. <laughs> he's like, okay, I'm having a hard time talking here. 
But he keeps going. Yep. <laughs> uh, Adam was like, okay, he's stronger than I expected. Uh, if I keep going, I might have to send him to the hospital. Is that okay? And Joseph is literally like, do it. Do what you need, buddy. Yeah. And Holly's like, "Is what are you doing? And he's like, sit there quietly, Holly, huh? Yeah. Oh, Holly. Just be, be like, a good puts lady. Puts on this real doting voice. Yeah. Wait, was this the bit where he turns around and is all like, now, Holly, just be a good little lady for now. Yeah. Just keep watching. Yeah. <laughs> just keep quiet. Nothing's going to happen. And the cops are like, I have no idea what's going on. Why are they floating? It's getting hot in here. Look at the thermometer. <gasps> fire. So they can't see the fire. Yeah. They are feeling the heat, though, yeah. if you know what I mean. And where there's heat, you there's... better get out of the kitchen. Because they're a cooking a human being. And when there's cooking, there's smoke. And when there's smoke, there's fire. But there's no fire, smoke, or cooking. No. There's just heat. Jotaro well, might be fl- frying something up on a little... Uh... Sorry, sorry. Jotaro may be cooking up some sweet looks, but that chain, that hat, ooh, that's some fresh Strong fashion. aesthetic. Fresh fashion. So Abdul's like, okay, he uses, he shouts out a move name, which is something that's sort of new to the show. Yeah, what, what is this? Uh, like, Red Bind, and the points of fire that were on Jotaro become like a, as you were saying before, like a big rope, mm. and like wrap around his mouth and his body. That must be burning him pretty... Like, I would think just the, you know, the pin the pinpoints of flame that were holding him to the wall before would be enough to... You know, you'd want to go to the hospital after nah, that. This is Japanese anime, bro. So the heat is restricting his breathing, which is weakening his stand. Ooh. Now, a lot of people initially read this as like, okay, so... It's kind of connected So stands are like Hamon and you need yeah. to be able to breathe properly. Mm. But that's not the case going forward. Okay. So I think... Whether or not this is intention that wasn't communicated as effectively as it should have been, or just sort of retroactive justification. Could it be? It's just the fact that, you know, he's kind of dying at the moment, yeah. which is causing his stand to retract. Yeah, I was thinking literally, it could just be that he can't breathe. Yeah. Like, you know, that's bad for you. Yeah, he can't just bring his stand out right now. He doesn't know what the fuck it is. Yeah. So he's just like, oh, crap, I'm yep, good. I'm yep. dying. <laughs> that's it. But this still doesn't work because Jotaro's too cool. <gasps> He's learned from his grandfather. He kicks the coffee table next to him across the room such that it smashes the toilet. And then water sprays up into the air. Extinguishing the flames. That weren't really there, but were kind of there. Mm. So, oh, the other rule that I just remembered uh-huh. is that generally speaking, only stands can harm stands. And yet... <laughs> Here we are in a position. Well, that was harming the water, not the stand. Oh. I mean, the fire, rather. Harming the fire. Uh, iffy. Certainly iffy. First episode, growing pains. Jotaro <laughs> <laughs> rips open the cell bars, picks them up, and is going to go, like, jam it into Avdol's neck or something. Because he's cool. This yeah. is a cool protagonist, you guys. Don't worry, he's not a murderer. He's a great guy. And then Avdol just walks away. Goes back and sits against the wall where he was before. Turns around, stand recedes. Got him out of the cell, dudes. And then Jotaro's like, uh, bro, what, what the hell? I thought we had a thing going on here, man. I thought I was, like, gonna hurt you or something. Yeah. What? I was taken over by the evil spirit. Like, I was totally gonna... Mr. Joestar, as you can see, I've got him out of the cell. Are you saying you let me win? Not exactly. I did, I did plan to send you to the hospital, but you impressed me with your power. And then he says, if I didn't stop this steel rod, what would you have done? And he says, my stand is magician's red. It could melt a steel rod in the air with ease. Hmm. And he's not burned. That's hot fire. That's that's warm flames. Yeah. So they come out of the cell. They're like, okay, Abdon knows about stands. You don't need to stay here anymore. Let's go. Let's go get some coffee. Yeah. Let's peace out, man. And then we don't see the police officers. Nope. They died. They were too hot for their own good. Yep. They go to this place called B-O-R, coffee and wine. Boar coffee and wine? Yep. Really? Now it is you. Now there's an exchange here. 
Holly's like, I'm so happy Jotaro came out of his cell. He says, you're so annoying, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> then she goes, okay. What and Joseph's mystery. like, hey, don't talk to your mum like that. That's terrible. She's not a bitch. And she's like, okay. <laughs> don't smile when and he calls you a bitch. That's the Jotaro-Holly dynamic. <laughs> Just, Jotaro, don't call your mum a bitch. And she's really Holly's inherited like, her father's way of being like an incredibly doting parent. Incredibly doting? Yeah. How's doting Like, mean? you know, you, you dote on them. You are like, hey, it's all right, you know. Here's, here's some presents for you. Oh. You know, be good. Yeah. You know, not seeing the, the, the bad in them at all. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Although, will we see the bad side of Holly? Holly doesn't have a bad side. You take that back. <laughs> Holly is a thing of perfection. She was born of the two purest human beings on the planet. Susie Q and Joseph Joestar. She really lacked out in getting a good personality. <laughs> She's too nice for her own good. So, they're all talking. Joseph's like, four years ago, this ship thing happened that we saw at the start of the episode. Oh yeah, that's right. That's yeah. four years ago. Uh, so I bought that boat and that coffin, I guess, with my real estate riches. Possibly my speed wagon riches. Yeah, possibly. And he keeps using the phrase, uh, I know what was inside. Abdul and I are trying to locate him. Jojo's like, him, what are you talking about? Why are you talking about a thing that was buried a hundred years ago as him? Dio! <gasps> He's awakened from his hundred years sleep and they're fated to fight him. And Jotaro just sighs. <laughs> This is crazy. This is dumb. I know this sounds crazy, but you guys are dumb. He basically serves up on everyone right now. He's like, this is so stupid. I don't know what to say. Gramps. 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 Game Gramps. (laughs) Game Gramps. Game Gramps. Gram Gramps. (laughs) Abdul, I don't know who you are, but you sure are full of yourself. (laughs) He says to him, Abdul doesn't react. He's too cool for school. Yeah, uh, he doesn't lose his cool ever. No. So he says, soon you'll have no choice but to believe me. And Abdul hands him a Polaroid camera. (laughs) And then we see Joseph stand in action. Yeah, he stands up. He raises his hand into the air in like a karate chop position. Mm-hmm. And he starts to glow with that same sort of energy that Abdul was. Ooh. And he brings that hand down and these purple thorns shoot out of it. And he smashes the camera. And um, when we were watching it, I was like, this doesn't seem like a stand. This just feels like he's smashing a camera. Yeah. <laughs> and then a picture, a Polaroid mm. picture comes out of the camera. His, sa- his stand's power... Although it is expanded on later, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. is currently to uh, take spirit photos of images he captures from far off places that he has to smash a 30,000 yen camera every time he does it. What if the camera is on sale? Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> Blurrier picture. So I looked up how much 30,000 yen is in t- in today's terms. 30 bucks? Uh, no. It is uh, 350 Australian dollars or 260 US dollars. Although I'm not going to bother looking into the relative strengths of those currencies in the late 1980s or adjust for for inflation. Oh, what is this? But so, you know, $350, we can at least know, would have been worth more. Wouldn't that be like $1,200? Would have been considered more valuable. Because that would have been Ness times, and a Ness was like $350, wasn't it? I don't know. So that would be worth like... I like how you you judge inflation based on video game consoles. Hey man, I know my video game consoles, alright? I know that the GameCube is still pretty cheap. Cool. Yep. (laughs) So, yeah, they look at this Polaroid for picture, for a picture for a bit. It eventually develops. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy on there. <gasps> but what? A guy with a curious birthmark on his shoulder. How intriguing. Joseph's like, hey guys, we all have these birthmarks. They're all stars. Now, at the time in the manga, Joseph didn't have that birthmark in part two. What? That No. They retroactively added it in the anime. Oh, God. Okay. Wait, so like, in the manga, when he was writing it, he didn't have the birthmark? In the part two manga. 
Yeah, in the part two manga. Yeah. And then in part three, he's just gone, you see this birthmark that we all have? Yep. Have you ever really closely examined the back of your neck? No. <laughs> and now in the anime, he has it. Yes. Okay. So they all have this birthmark on their necks. All right. And it's, it's, a, it's like a purple star. Yeah, it's like a purpley starry kind of... And that picture of Dio has it as well. What? And he also what? has like a pretty gnarly scar at the bottom of his neck. What? But what would have... <sighs> so that means that... Jonathan Jostar's body has attached to Dio's head. <laughs> Jonathan's controlling Dio's head. My god, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> Jonathan was the real Dio all along. Uh, yes, so Dio has stolen Jonathan's body successfully like he wanted to. Which oh. got delayed a bit. Yeah, after the fire. Yeah, <laughs> which, which means... is sad. Yeah, it just means that in his death, he couldn't have kept using Hamon to kill him. No. Because he loved him too much. It was his one weakness, was his love. Mm. Mm. Mm, poignant. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they like, Dio's somewhere hiding in the world. That's why we've got stands now. Uh, we better go fight him. We just don't know where. No. I'm guessing Africa, because of the Canary Islands. He's probably just chilling in Africa. Though it's been four years, so he could have gone anywhere in that point. He doesn't know aeroplanes are a thing. <laughs> that technology didn't exist. He knows boats are a thing, though. Yeah, well, boats existed. Maybe he's afraid of the ocean, though. Yeah, he's a vampire. Oh, like... no, just because of... He's been down there so long. <laughs> He's just like, oh, I don't want to go near water again. No. The smell of salt. Ugh. So, at this point, they sort of leave the cafe. And we get a transparent shot of the birthmark on Jatara's neck, mm-hmm. which fades into Dio. the birthmark on Dio's neck. And we see the gnarly scar a little yeah. bit closer. And we also get a quick shot of, like, a drained woman dead on the stairs. Beautiful drained woman, nonetheless. I will say that. And Dio is lying shirtless in bed. Just going, yep. <laughs> I feel it again. I felt like someone was watching me. Oh, the it gets explained that uh, they're all connected by those yes. weird flame, red flamey yes, strings. Yes, like some sort of soul connection because of the blood, Joestar bloodline, yeah. which they, Dio has sort of, I guess, insinuated himself into at last. Yeah, and the reason why all their stands are only showing up now is because Dio has awakened. Dio has done something that has caused stands to a th- be a thing, yeah. and they're all connected via their blood, so. Yep. And Jonathan obviously didn't know about it, so it makes sense. Hmm. Because how the hell would Jonathan have known about stands if we, the audience, didn't even know about stands? So Dio's like, the Joestars are coming back. This must be fate. I have to overcome this fate. I must erase this destiny. And I've already made my first move. To be continued. No roundabout, though. No, roundabout is gone. No! They went around the lake one too many times. Oh, well. All right, yep. Which brings us to the end of our episode. The first episode of Stardust Crusaders. Everything is confusing! Uh, thoughts? I really did not believe you when you said everything was different now. But everything really is different yeah, everything now. everything looks different. Everything looks different. Everything tonally has shifted. We've got different systems. It's di- still bizarre. Still very bizarre. So not everything is different. Also, I do enjoy that JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, like the actual like logo, just smashed over Holly's face. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what the hell? Highlights and lowlights, Nick. Well, stands. Now I know what they are. Mm-hmm. That's fun. I think Jotaro's stand is by far the coolest so far. Just because it's telekinesis and I love me some telekinesis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So actually having something that maybe makes more consistent sense than Hamon? We'll see. Question mark? <laughs> we'll see. There, uh, are, there are some teething problems early in part three. Yeah. So, I mean, it's cool that we now have a system that effectively explains where Persona, Beyblade... Uh, Pokemon? Uh, maybe not Pokemon. Digimon, for sure. 
Uh, because digital Digi- monsters? Yeah, digital monsters. They're the champions? Uh, I know where you're going with now, this. Now, clarification question. Yes. Do they change into digital champions to save the digital world? Some, yes. <laughs> I'm willing to say, yeah. Yeah, but like all of that, like, oh, it stems from inside the person or it's their spirit or, mm-hmm. oh, they just have like a guardian. It makes so much more sense now <laughs> why Japan is obsessed with that kind of power. Yeah, because JoJo's was a thing. Well, because apparently in terms of the transition from Hamon to Stans, um... The Ripple came out when, like, things like Fist of the North Star, which were, like, kung fu yep. stories, were a big deal. Yep. And at the time of this part's publication, they had sort of fallen out of vogue. Mm. And stories about espers, or people with psychic powers, were really in vogue. Like and, ESP and whatnot. Yeah. Yep. As we talked about before, this is just sort of an interesting take on those sort of powers. Mm. Just a very uh, weird Japanese look. Mm. Weird appropriation of ideas. <laughs> Japan. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, have you ever watched an anime and gone, ah, oh, yes, that's totally reasonable? I mean, yeah, I'm not really sure why you're, what you're saying about appropriation of ideas, though. Oh, Japan has the best, like, Western appropriation that I've ever but seen. is that in this? Oh, for sure. How? Okay, take all the names of everyone. No, I mean, like, we're talking about the stands, though. Oh! Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> okay, so you're just going off on some tangent. Yeah, of course I am. <laughs> but Japan always takes the ideas that, you know, you just go, oh, yeah, that's the idea, and then just goes... I got a better idea. What if there were giant robots in it? Yeah, pretty much. Have you seen Japanese Spider-Man? No. This is this weird Japanese Wait, live action show where no, Spider-Man has his own mech. Yeah, and... I've heard about this. It's kind of like uh, like Power Rangers meets Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. My highlight. You you've got to have one. Let me think. Joseph Joestar, just in general. Joseph Joestar's pretty good. Out of the way, pedestrian. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with. It's better be good. I'm gonna go with Jotaro. Shooting himself in the head. That's <laughs> yeah. a cool moment. It establishes sort of what he's capable of to a very high degree mm. at, from the start. The fact that he can stop a bullet. Yeah. That might that come That requires a high degree of speed and precision. Yeah. Or just insane OP ability. Uh, low lights. Okay, well, for one, the coffin. Didn't we get out of that? Yeah, that's so... a sort of... We've discussed this before. Yeah. Sort of a, a plot point that doesn't really stand up. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's okay, but really... People, people will tell you justifications like they were both in the coffin, which is silly, or there were two parts of the coffin and they each got in one, but we see that's not the case in this episode when they're both on the deck of the ship. I'm sorry, there are two parts of the coffin? We remember there was two layers? There were two layers. Both of the layers were there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I reckon the fact that Dio managed to get Jonathan's body would be the low light for me. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing, actually. You know, Totes just was there, powerless, being held by jo- being held by Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Although he did die, but at this, mm, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of that. Yeah, um, I like the direction they take it in part three. Yeah. Though, to my mind, it does sort of undercut the sort of neat poetic ending of part one. Yeah. Wherein you know you have these two nemeses plunging to their deaths together. <laughs> but at the same time, the mere fact that he managed to do it on a burning ship without any means of escape. It's like, cool, are you ever going to, you know, get back on that or... Well, you escaped in the coffin. <laughs> oh, okay, yep, alright, it's fine, it's fine, it's all good. Look, we just have to accept we entered into some sort of split timeline <laughs> in which in one timeline Arena escaped in the coffin and they True. were both destroyed. True. And in the other, Dio escaped in the coffin and Arena escaped via other means. Uh, she swam with it's a baby of, on her back. It's a sort of liminal space in storytelling. It's the breakdown of linear storytelling. Yeah. Low light for you? Oh, I'm taking the same one. Oh, yeah. excellent. Excellent choice. <laughs> All right. 
So uh, that brings us to our prediction segment. Um, I want to ask you, Nick Ballantyne, what do you think is going to happen next time on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3, Stardust Crusaders? Liam, how the hell am I meant to know at this point? Well, really? Like, let's, let's, really? Let's review. Okay, so we've got stands. Yeah, we've got Jotaro, Avdol, Holly, and Joseph. Dio is out and about. He's alluded to making some sort of plot to have them destroyed. Yeah, well, I reckon either... Joseph is going to be like, right, we need to go find some friends before we can take on Dio. Uh, So that'll be what the next episode is, just introducing more people, Mm -hmm. introducing more about what stands are. And then we'll see more stands. We'll understand more about stands. Everything will be about stands now. (laughs) Uh, I can't barely stand it. I stand for a good stand. This is the new standard. Okay, I hate hate me. I hate you. I hate everything. (laughs) Okay, so anyway, Jotaro will just like stand there and fuck (laughs) Jotaro will be in the background while Joseph will go and find new friends, find new people. Okay, so given that I've told you over and over again this isn't Joseph's story, your prediction is Joseph is really going to take the lead on this one. Well, he's probably not going to be the main guy. He just takes them there and then is all like, right, that's my good buddy over there. Go talk to him. Right? So he'll, like, take them places with all his money. Holly will probably join because now she's inexplicably linked. She's like by the sort of bloodline. human side of the group. She she is the speed wagon of the group. Right. Yes. Yes. What if speed wagon left the spirit of speed wagon in Holly? That sounds fucked up. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> this is a bizarre adventure after all. Jotaro will probably learn. Okay, if he's going to be a bad boy, he's probably going to continue being a bad boy for quite some time. So he's probably not going to learn to be nice to Holly anytime soon. Right. Um, but there's bound to be a point where Jotaro understands the necessity of his presence as another person to fight Dio, right? Maybe, hmm, probably won't happen next episode, but the episode after, Dio will show himself and kill Joseph. Okay, right. I reckon, I reckon. Then we get the vengeance thing that I was talking about. Right, yes. Yes, yes. So, um, yeah, more explanation on stands will probably happen next episode as well. Either that or just more examples and no explanation. <laughs> Actually, yeah, you know what? More examples because he's probably gone, okay, I want this power. I'll have the explanation later, I promise. I promise <laughs> it's coming, but we don't need a rule set yet. Okay. Yep. I guess that brings us to the end of, end of our episode. Oh, no listener crossing. Oh, yes, that's right. We have that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I've got, even got a few emails picked out. Oh, well, there you go. It's not even that warm this time. We can get through some. Mm, though we are <gasps> running quite long. This email is entitled, What up, fellow Aussie JoJo's boys? What up? All right. <laughs> hey, boys. Just wanted to write this email to let you know how happy I am that your podcast exists. I got into JoJo's two months ago, and on my recent trip to Japan over the holiday break, break your podcast helped during the long, the hours-long bullet train rides on my journey. Hey. What's even better is that seemingly sole JoJo's podcast on the internet is from fellow Australians. How incredibly bizarre for an obscure Japanese anime. He gets it! It gets the bizarreness. Anyways, bloody love the podcast and really appreciate the fact that uh, one of you knows nothing about the story coming in and the other is a Jojo Shaman. Keep up the good work, boys. I can't wait until you get up to Stardust and Diamond. Kind regards, Cleon. Cleon? Yep. Where's he from? Australia, they said. Yeah, but I mean, what part of Australia? I don't know. Ooh. Why are you asking me this? Well, I don't Why know. are you asking me this? Maybe he'll come back from Japan and be like, hey boys, we're in the same state. <laughs> You know what that means? We're merely one plane trip away from meeting each other. Ah. So, uh, thanks for the the email. Um, Bloody good on you, mate. You're a right fucking ace bloke. We'll take this opportunity to plug that other show that, again, I haven't listened to. Um, <laughs> what a Beautiful Podcast, I think it's called, where they do uh, similar to what we're doing, but with the manga. 
What a beautiful podcast. Hmm. Hmm. Now, this is an interesting email. It's entitled, uh, The 195cm Trio and, and Minor Timeline Things. Uh, go on. Hey there. Found out about you guys when you had just started Battle Tendency, and I've been eagerly awaiting each episode since. You are just having so much fun with this, and it's really contagious. Goddamn right. We're ha- well, I'm having fun. Liam is struggling <laughs> every episode. I am not. Well, every episode you're like, Nick, stop making my job harder for me by talking all the time. <laughs> now for the information I really wanted to share. Jonathan, Joseph, and now Jotaro are all the same height, 195 centimetres, but way progressively less. Jonathan is the biggest burliest at 105 kilograms, Joseph is the next at 95 kilograms, and Jotaro comes in at 82 kilograms. There's no way anyone would guess this just looking at the art. I'm sorry, hang on, can we go back a second? He weighs 105 kilograms. Joseph, Jonathan, yes. Jonathan, how old was he again? Uh, it says here actually, uh, dies at 20. He was 20 years old. Yep. 105 kilograms. Actually, that's not... Yeah, okay, never mind. No, that's probably like a rugby player. He is a rugby player, if you recall. He is literally a rugby player. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Joseph is 18 throughout part two, 67 in part three, and Jotaro is 17 at the beginning of part three, but might have just turned 18 by the end of it, depending on whether his birthday is in January or February, since the Jojonium info chart lists him as an Aquarius. And what do we know about Aquariuses? Uh, they can't be trusted, I assume. I don't really know much about the Zodiac. <laughs> what do we know about Aquarius? They're Aquarius. What are they thinking? What do we know about Aquariuses? They were born in January or February. Shit. <laughs> On to the timeline things. Dio never spends 100 years in that coffin. It never actually gets to be exactly 100 years since he ends up in it at all uh, during part three. He gets fished out of the ocean in 83, 94 years after he went down the end of part one. Part three takes place from late 87 till very early 88. Till early 88. Which is just a month shy of 99 years after part one. Huh. Huh. Interesting. Other than that, you guys keep having fun. Sincerely, Suna Kareen Hammer. I'm not going to have fun. Screw you, man. I'm not going to have fun. This is a very serious undertaking that we've undertaken. We put time and F well in. Well, I've recently watched the um the series of Unfortunate Events Netflix show, mm. wherein the narrator every episode is like, it is my solemn duty to inform you of the sad, or to chronicle the sad lives of the Baudelaire children. But you should not concern yourselves with these sad events and should go elsewhere. <laughs> It is our solemn duty to chronicle the unfortunate history of the Joestar family and their relationship with the man Dio Brando. But you should not solicit yourself in these events. No. Nothing but misery awaits you here. You should go, like, I don't know, play the JoJo's fighting game. That sounds more fun than, yeah. And one more, one more email. Ooh. Entitled, some JoJo stuff. I don't know. <laughs> man, I like this guy already. <laughs> Hey guys, greetings from Russia. Oh my god, I love this man. (laughs) Just stumbled upon your podcast a couple of days ago and binge listened to it immediately. What great fun, let me tell you. Cannot wait for part three discussions. Gotcha, buddy. So to sort of commemorate the beginning of part three, I'd like to ask some questions beforehand. Okie dokie. Shoot. To both of you. If you had to come up with a character in the Jojo universe, what name would you give give him slash her? That is, what music reference would you like to utilise for this character? Ooh, musical reference. Ooh. Okay, so I'm a massive metalhead. We know. So I would have to pick something from the metal universe. So You, you know, the metal universe. Yeah. Where everything's made of metal. Yeah. So we've got dudes like Metallica. We've got dudes like Lamb of God. We've got dudes like Gojira as well, who is lovely. This is my stand. Godzilla. <laughs> this is my stand. He weighs a couple thousand tons. Radioactive breath. And he can destroy cities. However, the range on it is pretty limited. Mm, yeah. I have to be inside it to summon it. I'm just trying to think. There has to be like a classic metal band. 
like Black Sabbath or something. But I assume that's already been taken. I wonder. I wonder. Alright, I would have probably... Ooh, no. I'd name it after Meshuggah. So what, is a, what is a Meshuggah? So Meshuggah is a metal band who started off playing thrash metal and then kind of shifted into this really, like, weird, industrial-related kind of... Uh, they use a lot of polymetrics and polyrhythms, which means if I play 4-4 four, four and you play 3-4, we don't match up on the end of the right. beat. So then we have to loop a bit and then we match up. Okay. Yeah. So if it's like... One, two, three, one, two, three, yes. and also one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and then it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I'd probably name them. What's a good first name for a character? Because I'd have them as Mashugo, who would be a well, yeah, Swedish. Yeah, a full name. <laughs> okay, he'd be Mashugla. He would be Russian. <laughs> he would be their Russian friend who's come over to visit. Maybe. Okay. Uh, so he'd be Petrov Mashugla. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, for my mining, this might this might be perhaps a bit unimaginative. Yep. But um, a while back, I did it. Some people occasionally do a dumb game where you like you go on a music wiki and you go on a superpowers wiki and random page on each to see what your stand would be. <laughs> okay. And a while after, I, I did that a while ago, and I I can't remember what music reference I got, but mm. uh, I got the power of for the stand um, pressure resistance. Pressure resistance. So ever since that, I've been sort of fascinated with the idea of a stand battle taking place like. In the Marianas Trench. <laughs> but don't you see, the deeper we go, the more powerful I become. <laughs> so I guess based on that, a, um, a good name perhaps be like, uh, for the stand, some sort of David Bowie reference, because under pressure. True, true. Or Vanilla Ice. Just gonna let that hang there. <laughs> <laughs> under pressure. What's a good name for someone that rhymes with pressure? Actually, no, that's gonna be the last name, it's just pressure. <laughs> One well, no, of the stand would be called under. The stand be called under pressure. Is that too obvious? Uh, it would be called. What's a good tarot card? Is there an anvil or an anchor in tarot? No. Hmm. Um. No. The name would be just Bowie. Bowie Prashado. No, just Bowie. Oh, okay. Just Bowie. All right. Fine. Happy. I'm Bowie the diver. I'm here in this trench with you. But turns out I'm a bad guy. I'm gonna use my stand to dive. I can resist it. You I can't. Know. I know. I'd be Mikhail Mashugla. Because you know when you get that deep. When you get that deep. You die. Well, like, very slight changes in height will have very significant yeah. changes in water pressure. Yeah. I'd have to be Mikhail Meshugla. That's the perfect name because it's an Opeth reference to Mikhail Ackerfeld. There you go. Perfect okay. name. Second question. Nick, after getting introduced to stands, which, uh-huh. are, which are a bit simplistic in part three, but no matter, uh-huh. yep. to what extent do you think their abilities will go? We've had a strong punching dude. We've had a fire dude. Where do you expect stands to go in, uh, next in terms of abilities and or visuals? Okay, here's my joke. Uh, bizarrely. Okay, now that the joke is done. Yeah, that was like a, you know, D-plus joke. Yeah, I'd say it's a mid-tier joke that you pull out of well, That might be a bit generous. Oh, come on, man. Come okay. On. Okay, so I reckon... Uh, Liam's kind of given it away in the tarot theme, but I reckon from here, it seems to have, like, an elemental theme already, where it's like, you've got strength, you've got fire, and you've got these vines that are, like, sight. So there's obviously, like, a th- common theme to all three, where they're linked to psychic powers, right? But maybe another one could be, like, some sort of water one. Another one might be, uh... It wouldn't be something, like, makes you fast. That wouldn't make a lot of sense, because you couldn't go fast. So why should you stand go fast? There's something to do with speed, maybe. Well, I don't know. Like, we saw that Jotaro's basically stopped a bullet. So speed is probably irrelevant, you know? Like, the speed at which these stands act might just be really fast. Right. And we see it in slow motion. Which is why time makes no sense. Uh, but, you know, something like, oh, I can do X, you know? <laughs> like, I can lift this giant rock, or I can 
Uh, what's something else? Something that would like resist something, like oh, I can stand radiation and I can shoot lasers or something like oh, that. Yeah. You know, where it's not just I am faster or I am stronger. It's like if, I can. If do... I fulfill these conditions, I can do something really. Yeah, tough. exactly. Where it's like I can do a thing, right? Something like that. Okay. Where it's more elemental or uh, abilities based rather than passive statuses. Right. Yep. Okay. And to me. Ooh. Um, I'll have to be vague here. What are your expectations of part eight if you're caught up? Uh, well, part eight's a tricky, tricky situation. Because it's, <laughs> without giving anything away for, for purposes of Nick. Hey, Liam. Um, it's essentially a mystery thing. A mystery story as far as I can tell. And we've recently solved one of the major mysteries in it. And as far as I can tell, that hasn't really left us a lot to go on in terms of what's next. Uh, so I'm sort of dumbfounded as to where, where things will go from here. But I, I am quite enjoying it. I like the characters a lot. I think the um, the family are all very likeable, except for that one guy. You know the one. Uh, <laughs> and I'm really I'm really terrified that he's going to outlive them all. <laughs> Just because by virtue of being such a shitbag, there's no lower he can go. <laughs> what in the world happened I also liked that bit where the main character was like, Hey, you've got a motorcycle. You want to go ride cool bikes? Anyway, yeah, those are my thoughts on part eight. What the fuck? So, what I'm gleaning from this is that part eight is ridiculous. Yeah. Because it's like, it's a mystery, want to go ride some motorcycles. Yeah. Well, that's all that's been on my mind, I suppose. Hope you guys have as great of time discussing JoJo as I do listening to the podcast. Then they've written some stuff in Russian text that I can't read, but it says, that is, best regards. Sick. Ah, Popov. Good work, my comrade. Thank you very much for the emails, guys. Uh, uh, that's racist or not to call someone comrade. Probably not. I hope not. If it is, let me know. Anywho, <laughs> um, just going to let that hang there. We haven't finalised our part three theme song yet, but we will have by the time this episode comes out. Check the credit on the website if you're interested. If you want to correspond with us, you can reach us at jojospodcast at gmail.com or uh, jojospodcast on Twitter. Uh, Liam checks that, so put as many spoilers as you can in there. <laughs> Like, physically, if it takes you an hour to write it, you're doing a good job. Like tweet link? No, no, not quite. <laughs> okay. Um, until next time. To, to be, be continued. continued. Looking good, looking good. Peter Piper picture peck of Peter Pepper Pippers. The Saddle Club somehow serenity something. I can't That's remember. That's good. <laughs> I was trying to get Unique New on. York. Unique New York. You need new pants. No, that doesn't work as well. Red leather, yellow leather. Human leather. Bound Ew. in leather. Ew. Leather face. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Jeepers Creepers 2. Pinhead. Pinhead. Hellraiser. 2? Cube 2. Hypercube. Oh, d- no. Cube 3. Oh, I know that was Cube Zero. The Invisible Maniac. <laughs> the Silver Surfer. Castle Freak. Castle Vania. Have you seen that Twitter account? Um, which is just... Um, <laughs> this is going somewhere. Like, made-up Castlevania game summaries? No. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me pull a couple up, because it's quite funny. And everyone should follow that Twitter account. At Castlevanioids. Uh, Tone of Tension. 1512, Homer Belmont fights a prominent vampire in an ever-shifting landscape. That one's surprisingly normal. Okay. Chamber Music of the Tempest, 1969, Lola Belmont fights Dracula in the secret subway that runs beneath the water table. Fucking what? Chip Tune of Stupidity, 1569, Ultima Belmont fights Dracula in competitive microfiche. What is- what? Okay, yep. Yeah. Now skip down oh God, a couple of dozen. Oh god, how many are there? 
Noise of the Tempest, 1938. Yvette Belmont fights a prominent vampire in the scrum of quite-hungry journalists. <laughs> Creativity of Mercy, 2016. Pope Francis unleashes the fruit of grace upon the undead horde. <laughs> and Pope so Francis. on. Wow, how many so, are there? Oh um, my god! Many? Many. Castlevania, lack of misery. Greatest hits of time. Reanimation of wizardry. Okay, so they get less elaborate the further back you go. Okay. Scale of stress. What was the first sort of elaborate one? Castlevania. Absence of brimstone. Parmenides Belmont fights skeleton after skeleton in the Villa of the Occult. (laughs) Yeah, so check out that Twitter account. That's my plug for the week. That's great. I don't have a plug, but I do have trivia. Mm -hmm. So after part two is now done, I finally know what a harmon is in terms of sword, right? Go on. So the actual spelling is the same as the sub. For Hamon. Right. Is it like a curved blade? Not quite. Um, it's kind of... Okay, so when you're making a sword, right? As we are wont to do. As we are wont to do. Hang on. Brief metallurgy lesson. Oh boy. So, iron, right, is pretty... It's metal. Yeah, it's metal as fuck. It's kind of flexible, right? And if you're making a sword, you don't really want that. So, in order to make steel, you take iron, you put some carbon in it, and then, hey, presto, you've got steel, right? Mm. Problem is... Take that, that shit down to Damascus. <laughs> you got steel. Hell yeah. The problem was that in Japan, the steel was shit. Like, that's why they have katanas. Yeah, that's why they have katanas that are folded like a thousand times. Because limited resources. Yeah. So, Hamon is... Uh, you know on katanas how the actual blade bit has that wavy formation? Yeah. Yeah. That is the hum-on where the steel has been folded over. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So when you grind down, you get to see every layer. You're listening to Sword Facts with (laughs) Liam and Nick. Nick, what's your favourite kind of sword? Katana. Hey, that's very Japanese of you. What can I say? I pander to our I'm a cutlass man myself. You're a cutlass man? Yeah. Ooh. I'm made of cutlasses. Pulls off trench coat. I don't like the cutlass of your jib. And we're done. (laughs) That's it. Sword puns.